the first thing to have uh, in uncertain times is certainty <laughs> that things will get better that you will have the handle of it that you will somehow figure out first you have to believe that faculty inside you sometimes they say you have to you can you cannot always see to believe sometimes you have to believe to see that's what it is all about so first you have to believe that you will find a way for yourself and a way with which you will be happy with okay that positive attitude has to be there your insecurities inside you you have to list them down and put them on the side because insecurity and fear is the one that will guide you in the wrong direction with the wrong decisions helping ceos and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them be inspired by world leaders game-changing influencers and next-level gurus this is the active ceo podcast where the ordinary don't belong and now your host ceo and founder of energy to perform international speaker and leadership performance coach craig johns on this episode of the active ceo podcast we speak with a gifted influencer known as the happiness consultant or karma the life coach who grew from a career in mechanical engineering working with leading mining group rio tinto to one of the leading psychologists and speaking coaches in india he studied a bachelor of technology in mechanical engineering from the indian institute of technology master of science in counseling and psychotherapy from the Institute of Behavior and Management Sciences and a master's degree in psychology from the Indira Gandhi National Open University. His career has included engineering roles at Next Era Energy Resources and Rio Tinto, a co-founder of Mobile App Echo, associate psychologist at Dr. Prina Kohli and Associates, founder of Saka Counseling Center and keynote speaker coach and facilitator for Speakers Institute. I'm excited to bring you a young leader creating ripple effects all around the world as he shares his story, knowledge and experience to make a positive difference and impact in the world. Kartik Madugula. Kartik, welcome to the show. Wow, what an electric welcome. Thank you so much, Craig. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, you're welcome and it's it's great to have you on the show. We've known each other for the past six months and I just love how you always light up a room or a conversation. You know, thanks for just being amazing. Uh, let's start off with <laughs> let's start off with taking a trip down memory lane. You know, where did you grow up and what is your greatest memory from childhood? Yeah, so uh, I grew up uh, in Hyderabad city in India. Uh, most of my life has been there for like 17 years. Until my 17 years, I was in Hyderabad. Uh, my, uh, I was a very happy child. Uh, I didn't have much of any issues with anything as such. I was uh, an academic superstar at school uh, and I was doing, doing really fine with all of that stuff. Now, one thing that I will never forget uh, in my life... Uh, throughout my childhood or teenage or uh, as such you would call it is uh, the first moment when uh, I stopped myself from doing something. Now this was uh, 
this was when i was uh, 16 years of age um there there was this festival that was happening it's called the ganesh chaturthi uh, and generally this festival uh, we we'll pu- we put up big idols of lord ganesha and we dance to the pandals and all that stuff so i was a very happy go lucky kid i was always the center of attention so i was wanting to go and dance uh, and uh, i w- i was just about to walk onto the pandal and just right about there i saw five girls to the other side of the deck and suddenly for the first time i became conscious about myself i was weighing 120 kilos at that time so that was the first time in my life when i faced the body image issue with myself and i stopped myself and i clearly remember those 5 seconds so crazily that i can speak about it for 30 years wow. so yes that was one moment that i can never forget And it's interesting because you know you talked about being an academic superstar you seemed to you know happy go lucky you seemed to like you had it all so and and that moment where you became aware of your body image how did that change you uh so what happened is uh, for the first time as i said i stopped myself and that was a new experience for me uh, that i saw with myself that i could stop myself and start considering that i am not good enough for this i'm not good enough for things in life and i'm not worthy i'm not deserving so those kind of issues snowballed in my life and they created their own ripple effects in of, uh, of denting my self confidence in further areas in my life so uh, that that was a starting moment of the onset of my depression and it went um, and it kept leveling up as i grew from there and you know i know that you you know obviously academics been quite strong but you tend to struggle a little bit in grade 12 you know was that because of that of the body image or was it you know sort of sometimes we see gifted people who kind of fall off the tracks because they're not being challenged in the right ways you know so everything is either just too easy or not stimulating enough so was life not challenging you enough or was it the the body image and the kind of depression sitting in that challenged you from an academic in terms of challenges i was i was always having the challenge that was not the problem because um, you know i was facing some of the toughest competitive exams on the planet in which only 0.01% people get an admission and i cracked that um so academically i was enoughly challenged i was having all those things but uh, self image wise uh, the destruction has started in inside of myself and then that started taking a toll on me but still i try to keep a happy face outside i try to hide stuff uh, and i was pushing really hard for my academics to still be successful and i managed that success as well but that was an outwardly success outwardly happiness internally i continued to be a broken piece for a long time Yeah so we'll come back into that aspect of your life and how you were dealing with that a little bit later on. Yeah. ASIC is the world's largest student run organization. Can you share with us what ASIC is all about and what leading one of the local chapters provided you from a leadership development point of view? Yeah so ASIC is as it says the world's largest student run organization now this was formed in Netherlands after the world war 2 and the core idea behind the organization was that if we promote exchange of people across borders 
there will be more understanding and thus will lead to world peace that was the mission of isec uh, so their core objective and goal and key performance indicator if you want to call it that way is the number of students that go on exchanges between countries so i was the president of the local chapter in my university during my time at at college at uni um so that was one of the most uh, heavy growth uh, time that i went through in my life so i started as a mere volunteer at the start um and i was just the hands and legs of the organization uh from there on to being really dedicated and being faithful with the small i then slowly elevated myself to the brain of the organization uh it took me 3 years to become the president i contested an election and people uh, uh voted my ideas and then i was voted in and i had a really successful term in terms of uh, uh the growth of the organization in the campus and general reputation as well uh, so it was an upstart organization when when i when i joined it so not many people knew about it but by the end of my term i made sure that everybody knows isec in my campus so and and uh, i organized uh, uh, a speech by the most uh, famous authority celebrity international motivational speaker mr sam cawson in my campus i invited him down from australia so he came over uh, and he gave a marvelous speech in the campus and that lit the fire for isec in the campus yeah brilliant and so that's at indian institute of technology which is the equivalent of harvard in india that's right so what attracted you to study mechanical engineering at indian institute of technology so the way it went was uh, from so so what inspired me to study so hard in the first place was uh, i think it was in my second grade um my father uh, called his own brother as sahab sahab in india is like sir or it refers to someone who is who is like way above or it refers to your employer or whatever that is so for the first time i saw that class difference can exist within the family as well i didn't like this authoritarian structure or whatsoever that is i wanted to flip that around now i don't have any grudge on my um, on my paternal uncle or my dad because that's way too old now uh, but at that time it left an impression on me that i wanted to change this system i didn't like it so that was my motivation to study really 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 hard so that is when i started studying hard and then the streak went on so whatever i came across i chewed it up whether it would have been mechanical engineering or medicine i would have studied anything i would have done i would have done it really well so that was my motivation behind doing it so well and uh, mechanical engineering happened by chance rather than by choice uh so i uh, i competed in this exam called the indian institute of technology joint entrance examination which is the most competitive exam exam on the planet uh and then i got through the examination and my rank in the examination came close to choosing this particular branch so i was happy with it yeah brilliant so from there as one of the top students you were hit hunted by the top mining companies in australia You know what was it like for you to work with the Rio Tinto which is not just the a big mining company in Australia it's a global mining company it's it's the third largest mining company on the planet uh, to be accurate 
Um, so working at Rio has been a very good experience in terms of seeing a global company at such a large scale in operation. Uh, that was a really, um, you know, breathtaking experience to see uh, such big machines operating on uh, life-making material, which is, I was working in iron ore mines at the time. So uh, it was a very good experience and uh, uh, even in terms of crossing borders of my country and coming to a completely different country and working in a really remote mine town, uh, it was an experience that I would have never otherwise had if not for this opportunity. So for that part of it, I was uh, grateful. Uh, there is the other part of it, which was the not so beautiful part. Uh, now coming from a country of 1.3 billion people used to so many people out there uh, going to a remote mine town with uh, you know no people at all almost like if you stepped on the road you'd be lucky to spot a person so that was really challenging for me in terms of my mental health um, that lack of connection and community around me and apart from that as well uh, I was uh, working like I worked under two bosses uh, during my time at uh, Rio Tinto. Uh, the first one was very, very uh, warm and very, very helpful to my situation. And I really thrived under her. And then I went on to work under someone else uh, and they turned out to be a toxic uh, micromanager. So this person just treated me like uh, hands and legs and didn't consider that I have something between my ears. So... Uh, that that experience really took me down in terms of my mental health and eventually uh, it's under his leadership that i got fired so and then i came oh. made, made my way back to india so australia didn't leave a in a, a great lasting impression on you at that point <laughs> it didn't so, so you arrived back in india you know what was your immediate response and reaction to being jobless um, so the thing was, uh, jobless was not my biggest concern because, uh, I knew a lot of friends who were in a lot of companies in India that could get me, get me into the doors. It was not the hardest thing for me to get a job. My major worry was being clueless. As they say, clueless is more dangerous than jobless. Uh, so what do I do now? Was the real biggest question because I can't say initially when the firing happened and when I had to return, it was a traumatic journey. I still remember my airplane ride back home. Uh, I was sipping on uh, wine glasses one after the other to the point of almost wanting to be just numb and unconscious on the plane. Uh, and then I landed uh, just to get the feel of the fact that I am back in India. I used to get into public transportation just to feel so many people around me. Um, just, just to, uh, just to tell my senses that I'm now back in India and I'm no more in Australia. So initially it was really painful to process the whole event. Uh, but as I went ahead, then I considered this as an opportunity to finally find what I do. I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon of again, doing something really, really fast because and I tried that as well. I, I raked up a lot of projects just because I was insecure that I wanted to get started on something. I didn't want to be idle or whatsoever that was. And all of those projects that I started out of insecurity of wanting to belong in the success circle, so to say, all of them failed. And finally, I realized that uh, it has time come that I fix myself first before I try to do anything in the world because none of that is working out. 
so that's the first moment when i decided that this is the time for me to discover myself and then i went into a sabbatical for around about 7 months uh trying to answer my questions about my self worth and all these things that i was continuously holding inside since my 16 i was i was 24 at the time when i was fired uh and since 16 is when i have had issues with my self worth and all that stuff going on inside so i wanted answers for all these questions so i went on a lot of self reflection i went on a lot of self education and all those all that stuff and finally i was able to resolve these questions for myself and then i came out like a flower so that's oh, what wow. has happened yeah so was there a real strong trigger there where you just knew all right this is what i want to do so what happened is uh, when i came out i came out really sorted like uh, i didn't need to do something to feel confident i didn't need to have something to feel fine i didn't need to prove uh, to be happy so all these things were happening for me so then my friends saw this and they were like this guy has answers so then they started approaching me for help with their own particular issues and then uh, i was able to resolve their queries and questions as well and then i saw that i'm i am getting good at this so they it's one thing when you are able to do it for yourself it's a completely different ball game when you are able to do it for other people so that uh, that boosted my confidence and i wanted to test it like crazy so i wrote a lot of answers on quora um question uh, for various questions that various people posted from across the globe and people saw those answers and they were attracted and they approached me on email for my help uh, so i started helping them for absolute free so that journey continued and and i the test i put to myself was if people come to you for the first time they are trialing you out but if they come to you for the second time then you have done something right okay so i kept that as my metric and i saw how many people were coming back and as the number of people grew my confidence grew and i finally decided that this is the helping people is the area into which i'm getting into so i called myself a happiness consultant or a success consultant or whatever names that you want to give it to that and eventually slowly i realized that i am on to becoming a psychologist and then i did a degree in that direction and then uh, and then rest is history so at that time were you still in that space inside your head where you've got this okay i'm a talented student mechanical engineer i i've now found my purpose was was the voice still inside your head i'm not good enough or had you overcome that at that point so by the, by the time i uh, by the time i was on to doing the next new thing in my life by the time all those voices were sorted all the voices that that said i'm not good enough all of those things were shut down uh, i have left that person completely uh behind me yeah. by oh, this yeah. time i was completely sorted so that that seven months i mean this firing that came in my life it's a blessing in disguise if if it were not for that i wouldn't have gone on that self exploratory journey because i probably lacked the courage for it um so it forced the courage on me to do this and the the moment where i showed courage was when i got a job offer in those 7 months and they were paying paying me pretty decently but i rejected that offer because i wanted to 
you know first sort myself out that was the first moment when i showed courage so intelligence was a part of my life all through like i was academically successful and all that stuff but did i ever have the courage to go off beat and step into a completely different path which will not be too much approved or uh, agreed upon or even understood for that matter i probably never had that courage but this was the first moment when i developed that courage and i executed that courage and i convinced my parents about it they're still coming to terms with what i do uh, so so yes that was the first moment of uh, courage in my life i would say it's it's it always requires you know for change to occur there needs to be a sense of urgency and so what you went through there is what many people go through in, in different parts of their lives um, and a lot of people don't realize that you know a lot of people have a job it's secure they stay in it for you know for however long they like um, they're quite happy they just lead their own life but at this stage right now with the world changing with COVID-19 and there's a lot of people that are being challenged on whether they can hold on to their business um, for some they may have lost their jobs at this point they might be getting some support from the government but it's that sense of urgency now and people will go inside for a real self-reflection. So for people that are being challenged at the moment in that space, what would you, what sort of suggestions or advice would you provide to them when they go into that, they start going into that reflection phase, how can they make the most of that opportunity? So the first thing, uh, the first thing to do in that reflection or transition phase, as I would like to call it, is uh, have a positive attitude. If you think that you're going to be doomed, you are definitely going to make that reality. So the first thing to have, the first thing to have uh, in uncertain times is certainty. <laughs> that things will get better, that you will have the handle of it, that you will somehow figure out. First, you have to believe that faculty inside you. Sometimes they say you have to, you, can, you cannot always see to believe. Sometimes you have to believe to see. That's what it is all about. So first, you have to believe that you will find a way for yourself and a way with which you will be happy with. Okay. That positive attitude has to be there. Your insecurities inside you, you have to list them down and put them on the side. Because insecurity and fear is the one that will guide you in the wrong direction with the wrong decisions. So whatever insecurities you have, first you have to list them down. Is it financial insecurities? Is it life insecurities? Is it family insecurities? Is it relationship insecurities? What insecurities do you have? What fears do you have? First identify all those fears and put contingency strategies for all those fears to be managed no matter what the situation is going to be. For example, if it's a financial situation, Maybe you won't be able to pay back a loan or whatever that is. Uh, I mean, who cares about the Sybil uh, scores or the bank credit scores when the whole world is going down? So first you have to take care of yourself and then we can take care of the banks. So first we have to set all our fears aside and then inspiration will have a space inside you. Only when you put your insecurities aside, inspiration will have a space. So do not take decisions out of insecurity and desperation, rather take them out of inspiration. Now, once you come into this inspiration that life will be good and you will find a good path, then you look at what skills you have and what the world needs most right now and then try to marry your skills with the needs. And from there is where you will start to 
slowly emerge a faint idea of what you could become never think that your clarity will come on day one just like that like a pop up okay that even if it comes that way then it's not a convicted clarity because you do not have full confidence on it let it emerge let it grow on you first it will come as a faint idea then you try that idea out then you test it out and see how the world is responding and as the world keeps responding like a ping pong ball towards you then your confidence starts growing and then you become convicted by the growing confidence and then you make a decision yes that's this is it and then you go forward with that that is the way you'll find yourself Brilliant. I love that. So, so you're recognized as a thought leader and an authority in mental health in India. How important is it for people to share their story when they are going through changes, when they are dealing with mentally dealing with things that are challenging for them and they're trying to figure out things in life? Right. So there is actually two parts to this. Uh, in terms of sharing, uh, they, they say sharing is caring, right? So in terms of sharing, it is very important to share with those people who uh, have no intention but uplifting you in whatever way they can. Even if they are not able to give you an idea or a strategy or a resource or whatever it is, even if they are not able to afford you any of this, at least they should have a positive attitude towards you in terms of uplifting you. If you go and share your story with every Tom, Dick and Harry who do, does not have the best intention at their heart, given the vulnerable stage that you are in, they will more do harm than do help. They'll try to pull you down. So in, when you are very vulnerable, it is very important whom you choose to share with. Sharing is definitely caring, but it will turn out to be the exact opposite if you don't share it with the right kind of people. Okay. And once you start sharing with the right kind of people, they'll give you some positive attitude. They'll give you probably some strategies and solutions. And when they, when your friends or whoever these people that you're banking upon, they, when they reach their peak in terms of being able to suggest you, then even considering professional help will not be a bad idea. It will actually work really great for you because the professional would have spent thousands of hours suggesting people on this. So he has really mastered the art. What your friend could probably achieve in 10 hours with you, probably the professional can do with you in 10 minutes. So that will save a lot of time for you in terms of moving ahead and finding your new voice. So sharing is caring only when done with right people. Uh, very good. I like that. So what is one strategy that people can implement at the start of each day to train their mental health? Yes. So one thing uh, that I suggest everyone that comes to me is if there is only one thing that can universally apply to everyone in terms of mental health is about taking care of your feelings. Okay. So it is when your feelings go corrupt for some stimulus that you receive from the world. So basically you're saying you have five senses and you keep receiving stimuli from the world through these five senses. And for these stimuli, you have either reactions or responses within you. Okay. When you react, you go into a negative feeling space. When you respond, you are more optimistic and you go into uh, at least, if not a positive feeling, at least you will be neutral at least that much. So, 
taking care of your feelings is the number one thing that one has to do and how that happens is by prioritizing i i don't think anyone has a mental health issue i think people have a priority issue so for example let us say i went to uh, i went to paris okay and i roamed all of paris and uh, you know bought this one absolute brilliant piece of cloth from a boutique fashion store in paris okay and then i come back to india i wore the cloth i got all the adulation i got all the whatever charisma for wearing that and i was really happy with my purchase and then obviously time comes that i have to give it for laundry so i gave it to laundry and i expect the laundry man to deliver a you know an iron piece of cloth washed and iron piece of cloth at 8:30 am in the morning and let us say he rocks up at 11:30 am with a burnt piece of string in his hand <laughs> <laughs> okay then because i've invested so much into it in terms of my emotions and everything most people they flare up in anger and then they give left right and center to this person across them now the thing that most people don't catch is when you do that you have valued your piece of cloth above your own emotion that's what has happened you have under prioritized your emotion beneath this piece of cloth now the reality is if you keep your emotion in priority and the piece of cloth below your emotion you will still fire this guy because he's unskilled at his job okay so either which way whether you flare up or whether you are calm you will anyway fire this guy if the end result is going to be the same what is the point in burning yourself up in the way there's no point in that you're just harming yourself so what my suggestion will be is to keep your emotion as the number one priority beyond any stimulus that will come at you from the world and when you are able to stay at that in that lane you will handle most things really well Oh, I'm going to stay in that lane. I think that's a, it's a great strategy. And, and a lot of people right now, because there's a lot of emotions happening, will be facing that, you know, do I flare up or, or do I stay calm? And we know that the calming influence is probably going to be more beneficial in the long term, both for you, but also relationships and, and how, um, and future opportunities as well. So the, the world is facing a one in a 100 year pandemic. You know, they tend to happen every 100 years, which has seen a major shift in how the world operates and lives. So how have you responded to a world with government restrictions and lockdowns and going virtual? Right. So one of uh, the greatest things that is happening right now is a lot of people are going online with the, whether it's their business, whether it is their office work or whatever that is. Now imagine this, right? Uh, uh, so right now we are proving that remote work is possible. It's, it's not an outlandish idea. So what was the point of putting so many people in commute every damn day of their life? going to these offices, which they could have done from the home. How much traffic can we save? How much pollution can we save? Especially in a country like India, where you're stuck in traffic jam for one, one and a half hours. How many people can just sit at home and get their stuff done? And if a physical meeting is definitely necessary, probably they can go to the office for one or two days in a week. And that is, that is enough. So these are the kind of changes that we should start seeing in the economy as we go ahead is allowing people more flexibility in terms of getting their work done so that 
people can be more productive from home and that also saves a lot of resources for the companies as well in terms of hosting a space paying the rents bills whatever that is and also in terms of the attitudes of people uh, going through this change right now i see uh, a lot of uh, unrest uh, and a growing concern especially with related to finances okay so uh, there is the health turmoil on one side no doubt the number of people getting infected the number of people dying and all that stuff but most probably we will cover that gap within the next 3 4 months we it will all come down no doubt about that but the economy probably is going to be affected for at least i don't know maybe a year perhaps or or lesser so there is a growing concern with respect to financials about where we will source things now for anybody who is able to listen to this podcast and understand english food is going to be the last problem it's not going to be their first problem for people who can't understand this yes there are a lot of daily wage workers in india for whom food is going to be their primary problem so that's a completely different case but with respect to the rest of us finances is going to be our last issue uh, not finances but food is going to be our last issue so all that will happen is your lifestyle will scale back to what it was 20 years ago and people lived happily at in 1980s as well who is to say that they did not so all that will happen is some of your lifestyle choices will just go back so there is no reason to panic and it is not just that you will go back the entire world with you will go back so we are on all on a relativistic scale so there is no need to be worried about the fact that maybe you will fall back there is no need to be worried about the fact that maybe you are the one that will be left behind because if you are going to be left behind we are all going to be left behind because this is a connected world if one person goes back the whole world goes back and we see that right now we are a very very connected world for the for uh, the irresponsibility of few people a lot of people are suffering right now the few people who did not take the lockdown seriously the few people who did not take the social distancing uh you know seriously the few people who did not uh, exhibit enough amount of leadership in containing this crisis for a few people's issues all of us are suffering that tells you that we are a connected world so if a few people are going to suffer we are all going to suffer so no need for anybody to worry individually let us all worry collectively <laughs> that's that's the point here yeah, so and and it's a, it's a real good point there that we are that it's a collective thing One of the interesting things for me is everyone has been exposed to loss, change and financial hardship at some level in their life, you know, so some might be a little bit smaller, some a bit larger. Right now obviously it might be on a a larger scale than what most have ever been exposed to before. We all have the skills to overcome a shift in the way we live. So how can people unlock those skills that they have already utilized before to cope with the current change? so definitely in terms of uh, uh changes that are coming right now there will be a lot of shift in terms of what kind of people will be employed and what kind of people will be you know set aside automation will grow definitely uh because more and more you would want uh, with with the kind of unsafe that it is transacting with so many people most people would want to stay behind a screen and transact so 
um, so in terms of that automation is definitely going to take a big turn after this um, and if you if 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 you look at our own call right now we are we're on a zoom we are not on a face to face and uh, a lot of this is grow, going to grow so certain kinds of uh, professions will grow and make a lot of money for example teachers who can teach for 1000 kids at a time on a live conference will make a lot more money than teachers who can just teach a bunch of 20 20 kids okay and teachers who can give a lot of individual attention in a one on one training curriculum also will you know uh, get a lot of career opportunities for their way so a lot of change uh, that way is on our is is oncoming so what you have to be aware of is the kind of changes that are coming and the worst thing you can do for yourself is to resist the change okay you already have skills that are useful all that needs to happen is these skills have to just be tweaked in a certain way to be relevant for the modern context it's not that a complete skill is going to go outdated which may be true for some things which were anyway already affected by automation but in terms of the changes that will come now your skill whatever skill you are at you just have to creatively tweak it to be relevant to the modern context and do not resist or be mentally lazy in order not to tweak it and to be sitting besides with your old ways of doing things so embrace the changes as they come and be with a positive attitude the world needs you let's get that one point across the board the world needs you only when you can feed your family only when you can feed your kids can we all survive in this together so the world definitely needs you how can we make use of you is the only thing you have to figure out wow. how can you make use of you you got to figure that one out brilliant so early on in the show you talked about uh, sam cawthorn um, extremely passionate energetic and highly determined man what was your first impression and what inspired you to really stay in contact with him and now work with him um so my first interaction with him happened over uh, at that time it was skype call <laughs> not a zoom call yet this was like 10 years ago i guess uh, skype was just coming up internet was just coming up in india especially um so the very first interaction that i had with him uh, was an amazing one in terms of the uh, the heart the large heart that he displayed uh, to help the people of my campus so this was a free gig that he did for me it was not a paid gig so he was really uh, displaying the length of his the length and breadth of of his heart in coming to a campus that he's totally like not aware of he was just coming to india at the time um and then coming and contributing to my community and uh, and doing this large gig with almost like 1500 people sitting in 1000 seats people all over the place people sitting on stairs and all that stuff it was uh, for me what it showed was a guy with a huge uh, heart in terms of serving his community serving humanity so that was what inspired me uh, to stay in connection with him uh, and also the other thing is uh, when you surround yourself with uh, 
people who are massively obsessed with their purpose you also get sucked into that kind of energy that was another mode probably a selfish motivation to want to stay in touch with such a kind of a personality and over the years we've been in touch even when i was in australia working for rio i came a couple of times to sydney and melbourne to meet up with him and all that stuff and then it has been a continuous association with him for the last 10 years and it's still going strong and i and i see it only growing bigger yeah brilliant Brilliant. So you're now a central figure of Speakers Institute and Speakers Tribe movement and program, not only in India, but you're also starting to make your mark globally. For you, what is it like to be the catalyst who helps plant a seed and add just the right amount of water? So that, that's the most important thing, right? Uh, I see it as really like planting seeds. Now, everyone has uh, their own uniqueness to offer to this world. So the way I see it is uh, when, when people ask me, so am I not uh, saying the same things as this other person? Okay, then how am I going to be different? Okay, the only thing I tell them is all of us are selling lemonade. All that makes the difference is the flavor you add in the drink and it just has to be your personal flavor okay so when i tell them that it's a revelation for them for, because let's be honest here uh, all the teachings of the world have already been taught everything that is to be known by mankind uh, has in a way all the kinds of wisdom that you need is already probably written in all the scriptures around the world in uh, check the buddhist scriptures check bible or this or that all that is there to be learned to be a good human being is already out there okay now the, it's not just enough that it is already out there people need repetition people need people who can continuously keep anchoring that message into their hearts so that they can stay with that message that's the most important point there so that is what i tell these people who i plant seeds into is don't worry if yours looks exactly like the same things as the other person all you have to do is add your personal flavor to it and then that's your cocktail <laughs> and you can put your name to it and sell it out there in the market so what's your personal flavor <laughs> so uh, with with the present uh, crisis that we are at at this stage uh, i see a lot of lack of uh, ownership uh, in the world at large. When I say ownership, ownership uh, is not just for yourself. Ownership is for the community around you. Ownership is for the people around you. Ownership is for that grandma who probably can't work too hard or who can't get two strings for herself together and that we have to support her in, having a, in living the rest of her life. Ownership extends beyond yourself. It cannot be a limited concept that you uh, just ascribe to your own personal life. And even if we look at uh, climate crisis and all that stuff, if we clearly look at it, we are living like tenants in this planet, not like the owners. We are definitely living like tenants. Uh, as, as if like we will vacate this place and we don't have to take care of this as well as if we were owners. I think the tenant attitude is what is spoiling the planet. If everyone felt like the owner, they would use less plastic. They would throw less trash out. They would, you know, do lesser amount of food waste and so on and so forth. 
so this ownership and even if we look at uh, you know we, we, a lot of videos surfaced uh, where young people partying for spring breaks and whatever that was and they they were just saying if i get corona i get corona i'm still going to party now they clearly know that they are not putting themselves at risk because uh, mortality rate among young people is not that high but they are clearly lacking to show the ownership and responsibility when it comes to their old people in their society and community so it's just selfish interest just bound up on themselves and not expanding their responsibility and ownership to the larger ambit because they are not realizing that if they do not show the ownership for what is happening outside there it will come back to bite them for example what happened in china came back to bite all of us if we leave their political ideology towards towards themselves and just take care of business as usual for ourselves what will happen there will come back to bite us if somebody is going hungry in africa it is our personal problem because if human beings are dying malnutrition they might be affected with a lot of diseases which then they will leave into the landscape and then you might uh, see antibiotics not doing their job anymore 20 30 years after because you did not take care of these people when they were needed to be taken care of so we have to expand our ownership beyond our personal ambits and the time has come yeah we are custodians of the human race and it's our responsibility to not just look after ourselves but our future generations so oh, absolutely great answer i love that i love the way you approach that we we all know smart people have great answers but the most successful people ask great questions when was the last time you did something for the first time so this happened only um so so first thing is me being on a podcast <laughs> that's my first time <laughs> as well uh, apart from that something significant that i did just 7 days ago is um i talked to a muslim friend about the inner workings of islam and the way the religion is operating at a social scale at this stage in india especially why i i did that is uh, Uh, recently there was one religious congregation uh, that has happened which has become the super spreader of coronavirus in india and uh, muslims all over the country are facing the wrath in terms of ridicule and all that stuff happening because of this one particular event so uh, putting this one event aside the the lot of wrath that is coming their way also happens because of the amount of stigma that exists about them in the in the wider community in india at this stage so i really had some questions uh, and even some probably personal biases against them that i wanted answers for and uh, my seeking was that i want to understand these people and not be instinctual about it and hate them okay understanding better than hate isn't it so so i my seeking was to understand what is happening what is happening inside this community that uh, you know they are always put to this stigma so this was the first time ever i tried to educate myself on what is happening in that community and i'm planning that after the lockdown ends in india i will do a series uh, uh, in the name of understanding muslims 
so that the wider world who do not have much of a uh, much of a connect with them or who do not understand their customs properly to their depth can then understand them before they choose to hate them because once we understand we will try to help rather than hate i, I mean there might be mistakes happening from their part i do not i do not deny or defend that fact but why those mistakes are happening is the first thing we have to understand and then we'll probably do more things to help them than to hate them and that's the that's the thing that i have done for the first time in my life well, you're definitely someone that is always out there helping people what is the one question that you would love to solve the one question that i would love to solve is the question of how to end world poverty that is the one question i would love to solve I don't know where the solution lies. I don't know how many decades it takes or even if I can solve that in my lifetime, but to progressively evolve towards making steps towards solving that question would be, I would consider that as something that I have done a really good use of my life. Powerful. Very powerful. For you, what is your definition of living an extraordinary life? life right so um in terms of extraordinary life uh, i think that extraordinary life happens today rather than 10 years in the future or happened 10 years uh, in the past okay so extraordinary life is not this uh, not this uh, imaginary place where you will be on the top of the world ruling everything and expressing your dominion over your domain or whatever that is an extraordinary life is where today you sit with yourself and you ask yourself how can you be better than what you were yesterday and if you ask that question every single day in the moment itself your life will be extraordinary you don't have to wait 10 years later until you can then call your your life as an extraordinary life you can call it today if you are making those small improvements and question yourself how are you better than yesterday and what actions can you take today to be better than you were yesterday that is my definition of an extraordinary life i don't think it is a place in time i think it is now the power of presence so Karthik, you we've had a great conversation today and you know i've certainly learned a lot and people can uh, have, have learned some great take-homes there from you, some great strategies about how to lead a better life and how to look at life a little bit differently. So how can people learn more about what you do and what is the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, the best way to connect with me is obviously on my Instagram or my Facebook. Uh, you can search Karma, the life coach, and I will be the man for you. Uh, apart from that, uh, uh, go, through, go through my videos, go through my content. Um, where I give away a lot of uh, strategies for free, absolutely free of cost, because uh, I believe in helping people at large and not uh, uh, always thinking about um, making it commercial. So yes, uh, definitely there will be a lot of value in terms of my content for uh, specifically handling the nitty gritty issues of your life, not just the broad generic motivation, but real strategies in terms of handling those specific issues in your life and yes all my content is online for free Kartik, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today 
to to learn about your young years where you know you're a very intelligent very talented person um, had a gift however on the opposite side you had this this voice inside your head that's telling you that you're not good enough and it was a real self-esteem issue that really affected you not just for that time when you were sort of in your late teenage years but also into your early adulthood to understand your approach to getting out there and working and trying to be the best person and the best version of yourself but finding yourself in a place where you're very isolated you're growing up in india you've got over a billion people who live in close proximity to working in the mines where you pretty much can you can you can't see the next person quite often you know it's very isolating and how that had a major effect on you at that moment which was probably quite negative at the time but however with adversity always comes opportunity and from that you were able to go deep inside of you reflect on yourself and really start to understand what your why and purpose is not many people have it from when they're born or when they're young it, it develops over time and there is normally a sense of change or shock that brings that out of people and that gift that you have is just making a huge difference on people in this world i loved your approach to how you think about the world and how the collective and as a community rather than just your own area and what you do for profession and what's in your best interest it is all about how can we do this as a collective to look at the greater purpose and the greater other um the greater good of the world and i like that approach when we talked about coronavirus where it's all about thinking about we're a custodian of this world we're a custodian of the humankind and how can we ensure that we leave the world in a better place in the future so Kartik, thank you so much for your great insights um, being vulnerable and showing your your story and telling about the things that challenged you and the things that made you grow and what you have become and i know my uh, relationship with you in in the world of speaking and influencing and making a difference uh, is very special and i enjoy every conversation and connection with you so thank you very much um, on behalf of the listeners for your great insights and wisdom today it has been an absolute pleasure from my side as well craig connecting with you uh, on this platform and uh, having a real uh, deep uh, conversation uh, in in everything related to life um i look forward to further association with you and yes i do believe that it's just growing between us thank you so much on this week's active ceo performance tip we're talking about create your ceo legacy having a purpose in life and aligning it to the work that you do is so important if you wish to enjoy what you do be productive and perform at a high level some people have a desire to go beyond the world that they work in and leave a legacy for future generations to benefit from the ceo legacy is all about finding a greater purpose through a project or movement that creates a ripple effect across an area industry or the world a great example of this is bill and melinda gates foundation which is guided by the belief that every life has equal value they wish to help all people lead healthy productive lives 
In developing countries, it focuses on improving people's health and giving them the chance to lift themselves out of hunger and extreme poverty. In the United States, it seeks to ensure that all people, especially those with the fewest resources, have access to the opportunities they need to succeed in school and life. So what is your legacy? Thank you for listening to an incredible conversation with Kartik Madugula, Ultimate Experiment on Human Behavior on the Active CEO podcast. During times of uncertainty and overwhelm, people usually either freeze and do nothing, or they let go of everything they know and change it all. Being able to provide consistency helps people stay calm and have hope. However, change is important for growth and remaining relevant. The big question is, how much do we keep the same and how much do we change? Using the 80-20 change rule allows you to maintain trust, loyalty, and the knowing where you maintain 80% of your focus on the work that you already do and have planned and leave 20% for change, innovation, and creativity. This way you maintain your identity and provide room to experiment and look at new possibilities for your work and team. If you need support in identifying what is important to maintain and how to determine what to change, then please contact me at craig at nrg2perform.com or click on the contact page of craigjohns.com.au website. I'm Craig Johns. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. Join the Active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to Perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to Perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.